Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. This morning we are going to begin a new series. It's hard to believe we're in December uh, already. Wow, it's here. It's here quickly. Time is flying by us. And uh, today we start a new series around the Christmas theme. You know, Christmas is when God chose to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And he did that with a gift in his arms, a gift for you and for me. He laid that gift in the manger in a little town called Bethlehem. It is the Christmas story that you and I know so well. It was a gift that he gave that would demonstrate his great love for us, and it was a gift that would forever change the future of humanity. It was at Christmas that God demonstrates the fact that God is the ultimate gift giver. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you get around the holidays and, you know, uh, people are busy and they don't have time to, to buy gifts, I remember Paul and I, when we first got married, uh, it was one of our first Christmases together. You know, we, we didn't have this thing down, and here we are. It is Christmas Eve evening. The mall was closing, I think, at like 6 o'clock, and she and I are frantically running around the mall trying to buy something for each other, and it's, a, you know, it's one of those things, everything's already been picked over, and so you're just trying to find something, you know. I knew a hammer or a saw is not going to work for her, but I'm trying to find something. And she's doing the same thing. Every once in a while, we pass each other in the mall as we're looking for a gift for each other. But have you ever gotten a gift from somebody at Christmas? And, and, and I know we, we want to be kind, but really in your mind, you're going, good Lord, what am I going to do with this thing? You know, it's one of those gifts that, that really doesn't bring any impact. It doesn't bring any real change into your life. It's one of those gifts you think, well, I can put that in the closet and maybe give it to somebody else for their birthday or something. You know, God is not that kind of giver. The gifts that God gives are incredible gifts. Our God is a God who gives mercy. He's a God who gives grace. He's a God who gives love. He's a God who gives joy and peace. He's a God, friends, he's a God of all hope. And he gives hope. He is a God who gives second chances. He's a God who gives a new start, a new life, a new direction. God's gifts are not just temporary. God's gifts literally change you and I for all eternity. Probably the greatest example we know of the gifts that God gives to us is found in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. James 1 and 5 says, any of you lack wisdom? Anybody in the room ever lack wisdom? Amen. There's been so many times I'm like, Lord, I just need your wisdom right now. The Bible says if anybody lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously, notice this, without finding fault. 
Isn't that great? So everybody else seems to find fault in us, but God is a God who gives great gifts without finding fault. Notice what it says, and it will be given to you. James 1 and 17 says, every good, somebody say good. good. Every good and perfect, say perfect. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the ultimate gift giver. I got news for you. God never gives a bad gift. God never gives something in your life and your thought is, what in the world am I going to do with this? He never gives anything that's outdated. He doesn't ever give us anything that's not relative to our lives. He never gives anything that's a, a foolish gift. Everything God gives to you and to me and those around the world today, he does so with purpose. He does so to better our life. God in everything, even his giving, is working all things together for the good in your life, in your future. How many of you know you have a future in Jesus? Say amen. We have a future in him and he is working all things together for the good. And as he gives gifts, friends, they are gifts that will leave you and I forever changed. Second Corinthians 9 and verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's a gift that is so good. It's a gift so rich. I remember as a kid, Christmas Day would come, and I couldn't wait to open up the gifts. And, and I mean, I was like uh, on steroids that day. I mean, I was on hyped-up mode that day. And I mean, I was wound up because I knew I was going to get some incredible gifts on Christmas Day. The Bible says God is the kind of God that gives a gift. It's so good. You can't even describe it. You can try to tell other people about it, but there aren't even enough words to tell others how good the gifts God gives in our lives. We give him thanks for his indescribable gift. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through together looking at these gifts that God gives to us. This morning, to begin with, I'd like for us to go together to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter number 1. And we're going to read this morning beginning in verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew's record of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph's first thing is, Mary's done me wrong. Mary has not been faithful to me, but yet I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to make things bad for her. So in his mind, the Bible says he was kind of thinking in his mind, I'm just going to, you know, quietly divorce her. And, you know, she's not done right, but I don't want to do things wrong for her. So I'm just going to, as gracefully as I can, divorce her. 
Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Have you ever seen parents, brand new parents, they're getting ready to have their first child, and it's incredible. You know, they're having their baby showers, and they're having this get-together, and they're, they're trying to get the right things. And I mean, everything is all centered around, we got to buy the perfect thing. And then, then they come across, man, we've got to name this kid. So then they start thinking, what's the right name? And, and, and so many times we say to ourselves, well, I don't want to give them my name. I don't like my name now. And you know, I don't want to give them that. And so we're, you know, parents, they, there's books out, and you can go online, and you can anywhere you want, you can find all kinds of names. And they're working so hard just to get the perfect name for this new baby. But notice what Matthew records in verse 21. It says, she'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Listen, there are times when we give a name to our child. And, you know, maybe we're going to name them after a relative that has really been very uh, impactful in our lives. Or we've got some other reason we've come up with this name and, and we want it to have meaning. There's never been a name that's had more meaning, more purpose, specifically for everyone else than the name Jesus. The Bible says, look there in, in that passage, you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus literally means God saves. Now we find another name is given to him. It's down in verse number 23. Notice there with me. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God was not wasting his time, but he had purpose when he gave the name Jesus. It was on purpose that he said his name will be Emmanuel. Scripture says the child was put into a manger, and a manger uh, in a stable, an ordinary piece of farm furniture. The baby was placed in a barn. It's incredible when you think about the fact that the King of kings and the Lord of lords would be born in such a place as this. The, the very son of the almighty God born in a stable in Bethlehem. 
many over the centuries have wrestled with the question, if he was the king of all time, if he was the one who would change the course of human history and the human future, why then? Why was he not born in a palace? Why was he born in such an ordinary and a common place? Why is it that the God of heaven would reach down to us with a baby in his arms? His name says it was to save us. He wanted to save us from our sins, but it also it was said that he would be with us. God's passion was to be with you and me. The God of the universe walked down the bridge between heaven and earth with a baby in his arms so that he could be with us and And in being with us, he would afford you and I the opportunity to one day be with him. You know, in the near future, the 2020 presidential elections will take place. Before those elections take place, we're going to find the candidates. They're going to be hitting the campaign trail. And and everything they're going to be doing is about identification. And they're going to have this identification strategy. You know, you've seen it before. The news is there. And maybe they're in a new factory that's open. It's an auto uh, factory. And there they have this candidate who's running for president of the United States. And he's got the hard hat on. He's got the goggles on. He's standing and there beside a car and the, the, the media is there and they're taking a picture of him screwing a light bulb into a little socket on the car. Maybe he's putting, you know, a nut on a bolt on the car, kind of the last one of the car. And somehow they think that gives us the idea that they identify with us. That identifies them with the people working in the factory, and the truth is, there are some people that literally will buy into it, but the reality is, them doing that has no identification with the life you and I are living on a daily basis. The reality is, they're not really identifying with us, it's an illusion, it's a facade. But what did God do? God reached down to you and I with a baby so that he would be with us. He was born like you and I were born. He wanted to identify with us. It would not be a facade. He he came to this earth. He crawled out of the crib. He lived a perfect life. He died sacrificially. He rose bodily from the grave on the third day. He didn't just pose for the cameras. He didn't put on the hard hat and the goggles. He came. He came not to be an illusion of identity. He came to truly identify with you and for me. He was the baby Born Emmanuel, God with us. So, what does it mean when we say He's Emmanuel, God with us? I would submit to you this thought today He's Emmanuel, God with us, because He came to take my place and He came to take your place. This is the greatest gift of all time. There's never been a gift ever given to mankind that could compare to this gift. You see, 
when my sin and your sin made it impossible for us to get to God, God took the step to get to us. He made himself susceptible to sorrow. He was familiar with temptation. He was vulnerable to sin's power in order that he might cancel sin's claim over our lives. Jesus Christ came not to be heralded simply as the babe in the manger, but Jesus Christ came to this earth to rob sin of its power and to rob sin of its claim over your life and my life. He came to bring change, folks. He came to bring change for all eternity. He didn't come to give you a good feeling around the Christmas time, but he came to change your life. He came to change your circumstances. He came to change your home, your marriage, your future, everything about you. Jesus came to bring change. He did so in order to identify with us. The Bible says that Jesus came in the likeness of, of sinful flesh. We know that we're all born with a sinful nature. Romans 8 and verse 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Notice this. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 2 Corinthians 5 And verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, this is a great word, so we might become the righteousness of God so that I could give up my past and take on a new future so I would not be known but what I was before but what I am now in Jesus. God made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us that you and I might be known with a new identity and that new identity is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, was really identifying with us when he took our sin, when he took our shame. It wasn't something that was going to be foreign to him or or unknown to him. It wasn't something he wasn't going to have the knowledge about. He took my sin. He took my shame as his very own. He literally became my sin. He literally became all the shame of my life. What was part of me, he took on for himself. He understands the power that sin has over your life and my life. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, friend, it was my sin and it was your sin that nailed him to the cross. You know, in my office, I have some nails. And uh, growing up in church, uh, my pastor, when I was growing up, he made uh, exact replicas of the nails that they would have used to keep Jesus 
nailed to the cross. But I would submit to you today, it really wasn't the nails, the natural nails that kept him there. It was my sin and it was your sin that kept Jesus Christ on the cross. That was the reason he came. That's the reason that he came to this earth and was born as a babe in a manger. Those nails, friends, were your nails. The cross was your cross, not his. He knew no sin. And though he was in human form like you and me, he chose no sin in this life. But what he did, even though he had not sinned, he was willing to pick up my sin. Jesus Christ died that I might live. He bore stripes on his back that you and I might be healed. He suffered so that we wouldn't have to. He took the curse, the curse over our lives so that we could take the blessing that came from his life. Simply put, the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Sin is destructive in our lives. Friend, listen to me today. If you think you can just do whatever you want with sin and it will have no consequences on your life and the lives around you, friend, you are sadly mistaken. You can't touch sin without feeling its effects. Sin is deadly. Sin is costly. Sin will cost you everything you have. Sin will take it all. It's a robber. It's a thief. It'll take everything from you. Sin is destructive. It's destructive. But Jesus Christ came to pay for your sin and my sin by dying on the cross so that instead of death, you and I might have life. He had perfect life. He had a sinless life. But yet he chose to lay down what he had so that he could take on what you and I had. Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, he was the gift that was given. God built a bridge to reach man. God bridged the gap and he gave Jesus. Jesus who was born, he lived a life in perfection, but he died and rose again. Jesus who was uh, right before his time of death. He breathed his last breath on the cross and he uttered the words, it is finished. What he really was saying is the steps have been built. They've been completed. The gap has been bridged between us and God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the bridge was completed and now he was God with us. No longer separated. God with us. God with us means this. He came to take my place. He came to take my shame, my sin, my pain, so that I could have eternal life with God the Father. Emmanuel, God with us. What does it mean that he is Emmanuel? I would submit to you today, Emmanuel, God with us, means this. He is acquainted with life. Life. 
I'm not talking about life just the, that your heart's beating and your brain's functioning and you're upright today and you're walking around the room. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about when I'm talking about life. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about the things you walk through, life, the things that you go through, things that you have to deal with. How many of you know sometimes there's things in life we have to deal with we don't want to deal with? Those are the things that seem to rob us of energy in life, aren't they? Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus had a family? Jesus had brothers and sisters. He had aunts and he had uncles. He knows what family dynamics are all about. Some of you have been recently reminded about family dynamics over the holidays. You know, every family has that one person. Some of y'all are thinking about him right now. Some of y'all may be poking him in her house. <laughs> we all understand what family dynamics. We all get together as a family, and there's that one. Everything was calm before they walked in the door. You know, you see their car parked out in front of the house. You think the storm's coming. We all understand what family dynamics are about. Jesus Christ understood family dynamics. He knows the joys. He knows the sorrows of family life. He knows the struggles that can go on in a home. He knows the weight of taking care of a family. He knows the task of trying to pay bills and put food on the table. You know, often we only think about Jesus and we only think of him, you know, uh, raising the dead, multiplying the fish and the loaves. But there was many years he lived before those miracles ever started taking place. Days that he worked, days that he was with family, days that he grew up in a home with his mother and father and siblings. Jesus understands the hurts and the heartaches that can touch us through other ones, through other loved ones, through family members. Jesus also understood what it was to have a job. Jesus was a carpenter. He knew what it was to work and to work hard. He worked, he toiled, he labored, just like you, just like me. He had days where he struggled with people that he worked for. He knew the pressure of working with the public. I've often said, when you want to get at a job that's very frustrating, you get at a job where you're serving somebody's food. You mess with their food or their money. You got big problems. Jesus is a carpenter. I imagine in my mind that he's building things and the guy that he's working for comes in and says, no, 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 no. That, that, what are you doing, Jesus? That ain't right. That's not what I had in mind. He understands the process of dealing with people in the public. He understands because he is God with us. Even on the emotional front, Jesus understands the stress he understands the pressures of life. He knows what it's like. He knows it best when those that you love the most and are closest to leave you in your point of deepest need. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion, the Bible says he was stressed. He stressed. And these guys who have been his right-hand men, 
Jesus in a moment of stress, and they're over there sleeping. And he gets up and he goes over and he's like, wake up. What are you doing? And they're, oh, we're so tired. We're so tired. Okay. Jesus goes back to pray, gets up a few minutes later, walks over. They're already sound asleep again. I don't know about you, but if I am in the, the most important time of my life and my best friends, those who love me the most, are sleeping, you can't even hang out with me, you can't even take a five-hour energy drink to keep yourself awake, Come on, guys, get you some Starbucks. Whatever you got to do, I need you today. And they're just sleeping away. And the only response they have, oh, we're just, we're so tired, Jesus. We're so tired. The Bible says Jesus was so under such great strain that he was sweating even drops of blood. Medical science will tell you that in the times of of intense emotional and physical strain that the capillary vessels underneath the, the surface of the skin will begin to burst and it will cause blood to begin to be mixed with sweat. Jesus is under such intense pressure. Literally, the weight of it all is on his shoulders and those that are supposed to be with him, the ones that said, I won't leave you, I'll die with you, and yet they can't even stay awake to stay with Jesus. Imagine for a moment all the stress that wrong decisions and bad choices. Think about your life for a moment, if you will. Think about times in your life when, when you've made uh, some really bad choices, some, some of those that you go like, man, what in the world was I thinking you made some bad choices, and then you had to deal with the stress that came from those decisions. And, and some of it was long-term. You bore the weight. Now, imagine for a moment that you're bearing on your shoulders the stress of everyone's bad decisions. You're bearing on your shoulders the pressure of everyone's wrong choices, their sinful actions. You're bearing the weight of it all. So friends, we don't serve a savior who doesn't understand life. We're not serving somebody who doesn't understand the pressures and the struggles of life we go through. You and I serve a God who is with us. He's walked in our shoes. Jesus came because God had a plan so that Jesus would be with us. He would identify with us. The Bible tells us Jesus, the man, at times was hungry. He was tired. He was stressed. He was grieved. He was rejected by others. He was tempted, tempted in every way, just like we are. No one understands the power that sin's temptation has over our lives more than Jesus Christ does. But he, my friend, is God with us. He's felt what you feel today. He is acquainted with life. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 and 3 says, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. 
He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and we looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. You ever have some times in your life, seem like people just didn't care? Just don't care? Here I am, going through this, and people just don't care. Nobody knows, nobody understands. Jesus is acquainted with life. And I would submit to you today that Jesus is acquainted with the kind of life that you and I live every day. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows the pain of rejection. He knows and understands the deepest grief we can feel. But that's where the good news of Christmas comes in. God walks that bridge to be the answer for your life and my life. He has the answer in his arms. God wants to be with you and in you. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, he wants to be the leader of your life. So often we go through life and we think, you know, Jesus is, is just so far away from me. He's, he's in the heavenlies. Here I am in Grant County, Indiana, and God's way, way way far away from me. God has no idea what's going on. You know, often we can almost have an agnostic approach to God. We think, you know, he created me, but he's out there and he's not concerned today about what's going on in my life. But I would tell you today, he's right here. He's right beside you. He's right beside me. He is God with us. God did all this. God went to all this length to be with you and me. God doesn't want to be at a distance from your life and my life. Have you ever had the thought, why would God want to be with me? Let's be honest. There's probably been some times in our life we thought, I don't even like being with me. And other people will confirm that. They don't like being with me either. <laughs> Why would the God of heaven, the one who has it all, understands it all, knows it all, why would God want to be with us? What is it about you and I that God would want to be with us? Why, why would the God of the universe care about us? Think about it for a moment. What is it that you and I have to offer that God would want to say, I want to be with them. I want to be with them. I would submit to you this morning, every one of us, we have an incredible need. There's not one of us exempt. We have an incredible need. And the reality is that today, our community, the people all around us, they're looking because they too have a need. Humanity has the need of an unconditional love. Somebody who will accept them for who they are. Somebody who will love them, listen to me, with no preconceived ideas. Someone that will love them with all their brokenness. Somebody who will love them with all their baggage. I don't care who we are, we all have baggage. We can think we don't. That's probably your baggage if you think that. 
We all have some baggage. We all have some things in our lives. Somebody that will love us in spite of us. Someone that will love us and we don't have to prove anything to them. Someone who will love us for who we are. It's all about the love of God. It's unconditional. We sang about it earlier. It's, it's irrational. It's a one-of-a-kind love. It's about God reaching out to us. It's about the God of the universe wanting to be with us. And he did it through Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. Let's bring all this together this morning. You know, over the next few weeks... There are many who, during this holiday season, when everyone else is out shopping and getting together with family and friends, you have no one. And you feel lonely, you feel abandoned, you feel that no one understands the, the loneliness you're going through. That may seem to be right, but let me give you two words today. But... Jesus. But Jesus. This Christmas season, you may be facing incredible loss. Maybe around the Christmas table, there's going to be an empty chair. Maybe someone who's recently passed away, a loved one, a friend, a, a family member, and you're saying, no one understands what I'm going through. Let me add two words. But Jesus. But Jesus. Maybe you've gone through a, a recent divorce and maybe you are dealing with a complex custody issue with children and you're saying nobody knows the pain of what I'm going through. Two words. But Jesus. Maybe this year you're going to be facing the holiday in a way that this time last year you had no idea this Christmas would be like it is. Some of you, you may be out of work and maybe some are just wanting to make it special for your family. You can't seem to get your head above the water. Seems like the harder you try, things keep falling through your fingers. Two words. But Jesus. You see, if you're lonely, he's with you. If you're fearful, he's your fortress. If you're purposeless, he has an agenda for your life. If you feel unforgiven, He can forgive you. We're talking about Emmanuel, the one who saves and the one who is with us. His name is Jesus. God traversed the bridge between heaven and earth. He had the answer in His arms. He's given us an indescribable gift the good news is, Jesus, yes, he was born the babe in the manger in the stable in Bethlehem. But he didn't stay. He didn't stay in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ crawled out of the crib. He performed perfectly in this life. He died on an old rugged cross sacrificially. And three days later, he got up out of the tomb. He ascended to the Father. And to this very day, he's at the right hand of God and he's interceding for you and for me still today he is God with us 
He is acquainted with our grief. He's acquainted with our sorrow. He's acquainted with what we walk through. You're not alone. He's watching you today. And he's not just watching at a distance. The Bible says he's interceding. He's interceding for you. He's interceding on your behalf. Today, Jesus stands at the bottom of that bridge. Stands there with nail-pierced hands. And his message today is this, I give you grace, I give you peace, I give you forgiveness, I give you salvation, I give you power, I give you a clear conscience, I give you mercy. The greatest gift of all time Jesus gave to us. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord Jesus, today... Father, we just look to you right now in this moment. Father, my heart today is burdened. My heart is heavy today for those who are walking through some very difficult times in their life. Lord, I know sometimes we can come to church and uh, we can hide our hurt behind a smile on our face. We can hide the hurt, the trouble by a, a brightness we can put on the outside. Father, I pray today for those who are walking through a very difficult time right now in their life. Lord, you've not been distant when they've laid on their bed at night and they've cried and they've cried and they've cried until they've fallen asleep. God, you've not been distant when they've walked through the steps of this life and there seems to be a hollowness and an emptiness on the inside. God, you've not left us when it seems like we can't find the words to describe to those around us what we feel and what we're going through. The hurt, the pain, the disappointments, the loneliness. Lord, I pray today, especially for those who are dealing with loneliness in a time when uh, so many are, are getting together, they feel lonely. Lord, they can even be in the middle of a crowd, and yet they still feel lonely and alone. Father, I pray for them today. Pray for those that are carrying the weight of heavy burdens in life, fears, worries physical hurdles, financial hurdles, relational hurdles, hurdles in their marriage, hurdles with their kids, hurdles in their job, hurdles within themselves. I pray today for those who are dealing with depression, sadness, for those that depression lays like a wet blanket over their life. They feel its pressure. They feel its tug. They feel its heaviness. Though they've tried to shake it off, it seems it can't be shaken. It just seems to come back. I pray for them today. 
Jesus, you came to be God with us. We need you today, Lord, in this room. We need you in our lives. We need you in our circumstance. Father, I pray today for these, my friends, and ask that, Lord, you'll be with each one, each one, as only you can do, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me this morning? This morning, I'd like to, as we're just beginning Today's December 1. As we're just beginning this holiday season really together. Today, friend, if you've got a need, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. It may have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas at all. You just say, I've got a need in my life. Something I've touched on today, maybe something I haven't touched on. You say, that's me, and I just, I need God's help. And today, I believe that God has the answer for my life, and I believe God has the answer for my circumstance, and I need his help. In just a moment, we're going to open the front of this church, and as we do, today, if you'd like prayer, we'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. Today, if you say, I just need an answer, I need his help, whatever it is, I'd like to invite you when we do that to step out from where you're at. There'll be others that will come and step out from where you're at and just make your way to the front. And we're going to come. There's going to be some other prayer warriors that are going to come. And we're just going to pray with you today and believe God for your circumstance and your situation. So today, if you just need God's help, would you come? Paula's going to begin to sing. And if she does, would you just step out from where you're at and come to the front? Allow us the honor today of praying with you. Would you come today if you'd like prayer? In the presence of Stacey Kellum, would you come and join me? Thank you, Jesus. It's in the presence of the King. Across the room this morning, as we pray with these that have come, would you just pray right there on your own, right where you're at? Would you just pray for your brothers and sisters today?
Troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Please sing that with me. We love you so much today, God. We are so thankful, Lord, for your presence. We're so thankful, Lord, for who you are, Lord, and what you mean to us today. And where would we be without you, Jesus? Well, we give you all praise, God, right now. Thank you, Jesus, that we could be at church today. Thank you, Lord, that the doors were open and we walk in freely. Thank you, Lord, for your people, God. Thank you, Lord, God, for music. Thank you, Lord, God, for your word. 
Thank you, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody Jesus. in the room this morning, would you just point your hand towards this direction right now? Bob needs a healing in his body. Serious healing in his body. It's not just cold. He needs a miracle in his body today. The Bible says we can anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick well. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come together as believers. God, we ask, Father, for your healing touch. We ask for your healing power in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand on your word. We stand on your promises. We stand on the fact that you are the God who heals us. You are the great healer, the great physician. Lord, I ask today. Hmm, I ask, Father, today you will undo what the doctors have reported. I pray, God, you will undo what's happened within his body. Father, touch in the name of Jesus. Touch in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be upon him. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Restore what infirmities tried to steal and rob. Restore. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, for a complete healing in his body. A restoration. We believe you are our healer. Lord, we thank you now. We thank you now. We thank you. Church, would you join me? Let's just thank the Lord for his healing power. Thank you that he's our healer. He's the one who restores. He's the God who's stronger than anything. You are our God. You're our God and you take care of us. You're our God and you look over us. Father, today we stand together as believers. We stand on your word. We stand on your promises. We stand on your great love. We stand on the fact that you are God with us. Right now, right here, right in this moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Jesus, for this day. God, we thank you because, God, that we know that you are the answer, Lord Jesus, that you are the answer to our needs. Because of you, Jesus, because of you, we have hope. Because of you, Lord God, we know that we can overcome, Lord Jesus. And, God, we just want to honor you, Lord God, today. We just want to give you all the praise and all the glory in this place, Lord. Thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. And God, as we go today, Lord God, I pray, Father, that we go, Father, in your power and anointing, Lord God, that we will be the light to the world this week. God, we love you in Jesus' name.